0: Welcome back to Never Found, Never Forgotten. I'm your host, Melanie, and today I have a sad, and disturbing case for you. They all are sad and disturbing, but I've said before that I hate doing cases on children, and this is another one, and it's just so heartbreaking, and it's going to get a little bit messy. There's a lot of names to remember, so I hope you stick along for this journey. This is the disappearance of four-year-old Rilia Wilson from Miami, Florida. Rilia and two of her siblings were removed from her mom, Gloria Wilson's, care when they were infants. Gloria struggled with cocaine abuse and often neglected the children. Gloria's parental rights were eventually terminated. And from what I could understand, it seems like the children were bounced around between some of Gloria's friends before ending up with a foster parent, Geraldine Graham and her live-in partner, Pamela Graham. Previously, I know that Relia was in the care of a woman named Pamela Kendrick before being placed in the care of Geraldine, But it's unclear what the exact timeline is for this and who was in whose care at what time. As you'll see, some of the details of this case are very muddled. At the time of her disappearance, what's important to know is that Relia was in Geraldine Graham's care. And the Florida State Department of Child and Family Services, DCF, was supposed to do monthly home visits to check in on the children. In March of 2002, a DCF worker named Dora Bentecourt was preparing for a hearing in Relia's case when she noticed that Relia's file was incomplete. The file should have shown monthly progress reports, but the notes ended abruptly 15 months previously. That's over a year before. The notes just ended. Deborah Muskely was the caseworker assigned to Ralia's case, and her last documented visit visit was in January of 2001. January, 2001. Bentecourt immediately tried to contact Geraldine Graham to arrange a home visit, and the a visit was eventually scheduled for April 18, 2002. As Bentecourt arrived at the home on April 18th, Gerilyn was just pulling into the driveway with Rilia's younger sister, Roderica. Bentecourt asked where Rilia was and Gerilyn responded, I thought you were bringing her. Bentecourt was like, um, what? No, I'm here for a home visit. And this is when Gerilyn Graham begins telling an unbelievable story. And I say unbelievable because, well, you'll see. She tells authorities that she had called DCF about Relia's quote-unquote bizarre behavior. And then in January of 2001, a woman claiming to be from DCF arrived at the home and said she was removing Relia for evaluation. According to Gerilyn, the woman who abducted Rilia was of African descent and spoke with an African accent. She claimed that she didn't question the woman's authority because the woman was familiar with Rilia's case and her history. Gerilyn also claimed that the woman told her Deborah Muskeley was aware of the visit. So she let this four-year-old girl go with a stranger according to her story. Geraldine went on to claim that two other DCF workers visited the home in February of 2001, and one requested additional toys for Rilia to help her adjust to her new placement. Geraldine said that the other that Gerilyn said that neither of these individuals was Deborah Muscely, the original caseworker. According to some reports, Rilia had previously been diagnosed with behavioral problems prior to Muskelly's final visit in 2001. Rillia was officially reported missing in April of 2002, but authorities believe she may have been missing from as early as December of 2000. So after Bentecourt did that home visit and realized Rillia wasn't there in April, that's when she's reported missing officially. Deborah Mucaly, the original caseworker, did resign from her position at DCF in March of 2001. She was eventually charged with 41 counts, including grand theft for falsifying timesheets and mileage records. She pled guilty to one official count, she pled guilty to one count of official misconduct and was sentenced to five years of probation and had to pay restitution. She admitted to having billed the state as a social worker while she was actually working at her second job as a substitute teacher. Deborah has not been charged in connection with Ralia's disappearance. At first, Geraldine claimed that Deborah was being used as a scapegoat to cover up the problems with DCF. And listen, DCF had a ton of issues, as we'll see throughout this case. There are many issues going on with the state agency, but then Gerilyn spoke to several media outlets, and she claimed that she had called Deborah several times after Relya was moved from her, removed from her care. Gerilyn claimed that Deborah assured her that Relya would be returned soon. However, DCF has no record of these alleged phone calls, and they insist they only learned Relya was missing in April of 2002. Geraldine admitted that she continued to cash checks she received from the state of Florida for Aurelia's care, and she claims that she contacted DCF to report this error, but was instructed to keep the money due to the difficulty with the reapplication process. Now, (laughs) I don't know about you, but they're not going to tell you to keep thousands of dollars that don't belong to you. That's not how any state works, even Florida. Sorry, Florida. DCF was under intense scrutiny after Rylia's disappearance was made public, and they admit that there were many quote-unquote bureaucratic mistakes made, and they admit that it failed Rylia. Unfortunately, that doesn't bring Rylia back, and Rylia fell through the cracks. There was no adult checking in on her, and there was no adult that was caring for her or her well-being Gerilyn had also told DCF workers that she was Rilia's paternal grandmother. However, none of the official paperwork reflected that. And Gloria, Rilia's biological mother, told reporters that Gerilyn was not Rilia's paternal grandmother. She was no relation at all to Rilia. Geraldine claims that her son, Kenneth Epson, is Rilia's biological father, but he's never taken a paternity test. Gerilyn also told the media that Gloria has named several men to be Rilia's possible father. Gloria, Rilia's biological mother, said that she met one of Gerilyn's daughters in a substance abuse rehab program. And it's there that she named Geraldine as Rilia's godmother. And so that's the connection between Rilia, Gloria, and Geraldine. So Gloria, the mom, meets. Gerilyn's daughter in rehab and makes Gerilyn Rilia's godmother. This is what I mean with some of these details of the case. They're muddy. A man named Manville Cash claimed to be Rilia's father in May 2002. He was in prison at the time convicted of auto theft and drug charges. He was named as Rilia's prospective Prospective father in court documents terminating Gloria's parental rights. However, he has never taken a paternity test either. But he told the media that he saw Rilia three times a week prior to his prison sentence. The final time he saw Rilia was at her third birthday party at the home of Pamela Kendrick. Okay, so Pamela Kendrick is had also had custody of Rillia at some point before Geraldine did. And Pamela Kendrick is also Manville Cash's aunt. Okay? And Gloria, Rillia's mother, biological mother, allowed Pamela Kendrick to take custody of Rillia shortly after her birth. She was removed from Pamela Kendrick's care by Willie Harris, Deborah Muskely's supervisor at DCF in April of 2000 due to allegations of neglect. According to testimony he provided at Jerilyn's trial, he removed Rillia from Kendrick's care after Jerilyn called DCF to report the child was being kept in filthy conditions. He also testified that Kendrick refused to allow him access to the home. After Rilia is reported missing. DCF authorities removed Rilia's siblings from Geraldine's care in May of 2002. Investigators reportedly administered polygraph tests, Geraldine and Pamela Graham. And though the results have not been made public, Gerilyn claims she passed the polygraphs. Of course she did. I mean, everyone does. Media reports revealed that Geraldine has used 42 different aliases over 20 years. She's been convicted of food stamp fraud in Tennessee in the 1980s, where she was sentenced to probation. Geraldine has also filed at least eight lawsuits for personal injury, child support, and racial discrimination. She's been sued by 12 creditors and named in seven landlord-tenant disputes. Her attorney claims that these reports detracted the attention away from DCF's errors, which, okay, fine, maybe. But to me, these reports also show a pattern of behavior that Gerilyn has, and it definitely shows her character. And this is what the prosecution was trying to outline in their case during the trial jerilyn also said that a doctor had diagnosed her with a psychotic syndrome similar to schizophrenia before Rilia and her siblings were placed in her care. jerilyn claims that she used multiple aliases to hide from an abusive boyfriend that she had during the 80s. She also claims to suffer from severe injuries and memory loss caused from a car accident in the mid-90s. Rilia also has an older sister. A Miami pastor and his wife came forward in May of 2002 to announce that they have Relia's older sister and have had custody of her for several years. The couple told the media that Gloria had joined their church in 1995. When Relia's half-sister was an infant, the couple were concerned that she was being neglected, and so they often provided material goods for the baby. One weekend, Gloria asked if they would watch the baby For the weekend, the couple agreed, but said that Gloria never returned for her daughter. Since then, she has been with the couple. The pastor, Willie Sims, and his wife decided to finalize the adoption process in the late 90s. Deborah Muskeley was their caseworker at DCF, the same caseworker that Relia had. And they claim that Muskely didn't check in and was hard to get in touch with. The pastor said that Willie Harris, Muskely's supervisor, visited their home after Relya's case went public. Harris told Sims that DCF had too many cases to keep track of and defended Muskely. The couple received word in April 2002 that the adoption was being prepared. In mid-May 2002, a judge ruled that Relya's younger sister, Rodrica, was neglected by DCF and Jerilyn Graham and Pamela Kendrick. Rodericka suffered developmental delays and an untreated eye condition, and the judge said that neither DCF nor her caregivers provided Rodericka with medical attention. Rolga's case ran on America's Most Wanted in mid-May of 2002. The show didn't air a sketch that was made based on Gerilyn's description of the woman who she claimed abducted Rilia. Representatives stated that in order for sketches to be accurate, they need to be created before a witness views lineups or photos of possible suspects. Gerilyn, however, had looked at a number of photos at DCF headquarters. Therefore, the sketch was considered compromised. There were a number of sources that claimed that Gerilyn falsified Rillia's vaccination records after her disappearance in order to keep receiving money from the state. And the vaccination record shows that she was vaccinated after she disappeared. And those sources say that the doctor who signed the vaccination record never saw Rilia on those dates. This is another place where I'm unclear, but some reports often confused Pamela Kendrick with Pamela Graham. So in October of 2002, according to the Jer- Charlie Project, Geraldine and Pamela Kendrick were charged with stealing over $14,000 from the state and engaging in fraud for accepting money from the state for Aurelia's care after she went missing. This is why I think they might mean Pamela Graham here. Because Pamela Graham was living with Geraldine at the time. They were lovers who told DCF that they were sisters. And so it makes sense that the two of them would be charged for stealing the $14,000. But the Charlie Project says it was Kendrick. And Kendrick did have custody of Rilia for a short period before Geraldine did. So it's also possible that it could be Pamela Kendrick. But regardless from those charges, Geraldine was convicted and received a prison sentence, and Kendrick received probation. According to investigators, Gerilyn allegedly told at least six people that an unnamed Spanish woman had taken Rilia on a trip to New York or New Jersey. So here we have yet another story that Gerilyn is making up. First, it was an African woman from DCF. Now it's a Spanish woman who's taking her on a trip to New York or New Jersey. This is where I really have trouble because it's like you like what the heck? You're gonna let this four, four-year-old child go with this woman you don't know? This you're claiming this child is your granddaughter, and you don't know where she's taking her. Geraldine also claimed that the Spanish woman intended to adopt Rilia. So I don't know. I don't know about Geraldine here. There's obviously some issues. Police confronted Gerilyn about this new story, and Gerilyn was like, oh yeah, she returned Rylia before that DCF worker came and picked her up. Insert eye roll here. I mean, does anybody believe this at this point? Jerilyn continued to maintain her innocence and denied abusing or killing Rylia. She said that Kendrick made up child abuse allegations to avoid her own prison sentence. I also think they might mean Pamela Graham here because Pamela Graham did testify against Geraldine as part of a plea deal. In her testimony, Pamela Graham told the jury that Gerilyn was domineering and would punish Rilia by keeping her locked in a laundry room for days at a time. She testified that both she and Geraldine spanked Rillia with switches, locked her in a dog cage, and handcuffed her to her bed at night. Horrifying. Horrifying. I just, it's despicable what grown-ass adults will do to a stinking child. It's disgusting. At one point, the prosecutors brought the cage into court, and I just can't get that image out of my head. Again, I hate doing cases on children. Pamela Graham claimed that she did nothing to prevent the abuse against Rilia because she was afraid of Gerilyn. In April of 2002, according to her testimony, she came home in December 2000 and Rilia was gone. When she asked jerilyn where Rilia was, jerilyn gave her no explanation. Pamela Graham also testified, quote, she told me Relia wasn't there and she wasn't coming back and I wasn't going to see her anymore, end quote. She also testified that she overheard Gerilyn tell friends and neighbors varying stories of what happened to Rilia. Under oath, she told the court that they told DCF workers that they were sisters when in fact they were lovers. However, Gerilyn also told the caseworker her father was a prime minister of the Bahamas, so again, Sure, Carolyn. I couldn't find any testimony from Kendrick, and so that's why I thought it was Pamela Graham. But again, it's all muddy here. All the sources are in the show notes, so you can see if you can untangle this knotted pot of spaghetti. I, there are so many people with a similar name. You can evaluate for yourself what you who you think is which. Anyhow, in August of 2004, Gerilyn was charged with kidnapping, three counts of child abuse, and they say again Kendrick, but I say Pamela Graham was charged with two lesser counts of abuse and neglect. Another clue that they mean Pamela Graham is that the source said that Pamela Kendrick, but I mean Graham, Pled guilty to neglect and she was sentenced to 364 days in prison and five years of probation for her return in return for her testimony against Geraldine. This is again why I think it's Pamela Graham who lived with Geraldine and was also guilty of neglect uh, of Relia at the time of her disappearance. So that's why I think they mean Pamela Graham here. And again, Graham also testified against Geraldine. It doesn't really matter, though. In the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Gerilyn is being charged with kidnapping, three counts of child abuse. In March 2005, Gerilyn was additionally charged with first-degree murder. Investigators theorized that Raleo was suffocated or beaten to death in December of 2000. And evidence to support their theory came from information provided by Robin Lunsford, a former cellmate of Gerilyn's. Robin claimed that Gerilyn confessed to Rilia's murder to her, and she also told investigators that Ger- that Gerilyn said that Rilia had quote-unquote demons. I wish you could see my face right now. Demons... Gerilyn told Robin about a time when Rilia refused to wear an angel costume for Halloween because she wanted to be Cleopatra. Gerilyn decided that this meant she was evil and had to die. According to Robin, Gerilyn then buried the body in a ravine near a private lake. Listen, if anybody knows anything about kids, they will inevitably refuse to wear the costume that you buy them moments before you leave the house that doesn't make them evil, that makes them children with their own little personalities and their own little quirks and their own little, you know, things. I always have mixed feelings though about these jailhouse informants. Are they just doing it for what they can gain? Are they being honest? But Robin Lunsford was described as a career criminal. She had 15 convictions for robbery. In addition, she had a history of escaping prison. And she was currently awaiting trial for armed robbery when Gerilyn supposedly confessed to her. In June 2005, Robin suddenly stopped cooperating with investigators. She said she wouldn't testify against Gerilyn unless she received a reduced sentence. The prosecution offered her 20 years, but she wanted only three years. Come on, Robin. However, she also stated that she had gone to investigators with this information out of the good of her conscience and not expecting any leniency. Make of that what you will. In August 2005, at Gerilyn's bail hearing, Robin invoked her Fifth Amendment right continuously. Every question, she just invoked that Fifth Amendment right to not testify, not self-incriminate. She was later convicted of armed robbery in September of 2005 and sentenced to life in prison without parole, which was the maximum sentence under Florida's habitual offender law. Prosecutors later came to an agreement with Robin. In March 2011, her sentence was reduced to 10 years in return for her testimony against Geraldine. Okay. Here's the thing. Prosecutors don't have a body. They don't have Relia's remains. So they need all the testimony they can get. But Robin's flip-flopping back and forth, not going to cooperate unless she gets a lenient, more lenient sentence. When she's slapped with the max, then all of a sudden she's going to cooperate. It just makes it feel like she's not authentic, you know? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm cynical. Too cynical. Geraldine's trial began in December of 2012. Robin, Pamela Graham, Deborah Muskely all testified. In addition to Robin and Pamela Graham's testimony, Muskely admitted before the court that she did not make the monthly visits despite filing reports and telling judges that Relia was fine. She also admitted to falsifying documents. She claimed she used the telephone to check in on children, and Gerilyn would, ass- would assure Deborah that Relia was doing fine. Muskely claimed that she had to do this because she had over 100 children on her caseload. She testified, though, that she never saw a problem with Relia. She did testify that she never saw Gerilyn display any affection toward Relia. And Gerilyn never complained about behavior problems that she claimed Aurelia had. During the trial, Gerilyn's attorney maintained that there was no evidence for the claims that Aurelia was dead. They claimed that there were multiple sightings of Aurelia across the nation that suggested she was still alive. However, a detective testified that all leads had been followed up on and none of these sightings led anywhere. A jury convicted her on the kidnapping and child abuse charges, but they deadlocked 11 to 1 on the murder charge. The judge declared a mistrial on that murder charge. However, at the sentencing for the kidnapping and child abuse charges, the judge said, quote, For you, Miss Graham, the jury has spoken. You have been found to be the person responsible for the senseless, cruel, and inhumane acts directed at this innocent, defenseless child, Relya Wilson. As the jury found, you are responsible for inflicting unimaginable pain and instilling fear in this child and and repeatedly abusing this child. One can only be inherently evil to inflict this type of pain and torment on a child. End quote. She was then sentenced to 55 years total for the kidnapping and aggravated child abuse charges. The prosecution had asked for a life sentence, and her defense asked for 11 and a half years. Jerilyn was in her mid-60s when she was sentenced, so she will remain in prison likely for the rest of her days. But the prosecution has elected to retry that murder charge against her, and Gerilyn is awaiting a second trial for that charge. I could not find if this has been rescheduled yet, and I'm sure she is running through all of the appeals on the other convictions first. In March 2015, a three-panel judge upheld her convictions two to one. Relia Wilson has never been found. And while the adults in Rulia's life failed her, there was one bright spot in this story. Remember her older sister that was adopted by the pastor and his wife? Her name is Brandy Sims, and she attended Geraldine's trial. And she said that while she never knew her sister, she was there and wanted justice for her. While all these adults failed her, this sister, she never knew her showed up for her. And I'm sure she will continue to show up for her when Geraldine faces her second trial for that murder charge. And this just touched my soul. I have goosebumps right now just thinking of it. This story truly hurt my heart, but knowing that Brandy Sims was there for her sister just touched me so deeply. In February of 2022, the Florida State Senate announced that it had passed legislation to increase protections in foster and elder care situations. Part of this legislation includes the Rowlia-Wilson Act. This would mean that children in foster care must be enrolled in an early education program. This will help increase visibility of the child and minimize further abuse or neglect in addition to addressing developmental effects caregivers would receive up to $200 a month to subsidize the cost of early education for children between the ages of birth and school age If this legislation had been in place when Relia went missing Relia would have it might not have been a year and a half before she was reported missing a teacher would have noticed right away a teacher would have noticed the signs of abuse. And so that legislation, that Relya Wilson Act, hopefully prevents other children from enduring the same sort of situation. Relya Wilson was just four years old when she disappeared. She was three foot tall and weighed between 40 and 50 pounds. She's described as an African-American female with black hair and brown eyes. She has a scar from a puncture wound five inches below her navel. Her ears are pierced. Anyone with information on the disappearance of Aurelia Wilson can contact the Miami-Dade Police Department at 305-418-7302. That number again, Miami-Dade Police Department, 305-418-7302. I hate doing cases on children, but I think that... Their stories need to be told. And I'm thankful for the legislation that was passed in the Florida State Senate. I'm thankful for Brandy Sims who shows up for her sister. But none of that brings Relia back. It's heartbreaking. So on that note, that was my episode for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate your support. You can follow me on Facebook, Never Found, Never Forgotten Podcast. Thanks so much. Bye.